am Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. I'm here with my buddy, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, how's it going? It's going. You know, there's something that all stand-up comics have in common. Mm -hmm. I know this to be true, and uh, it's like you're doing a show, and you have in the front row, maybe there's three people who aren't laughing, and you come off stage and going, why the hell weren't they laughing? Mm -hmm. Like, it could be like everybody's laughing, but those three people aren't. And it's like, I've done something wrong. Okay. Well, I've learned something that blew my mind. I'm doing a webinar with Josh Spector, who does marketing. And he said something that I just went, oh, my God. It kind of like pulled the rug from out from under me. Mm -hmm. And he said this. You shouldn't want or try and get everyone to love you mm. because if because it's impossible number one number two if everybody likes you mm. that means you're doing you watered down ah, that okay. you're watering down what you do and the way to really get fans like have followers on all your social media sites have people like be your fans and when you say you're performing here they rush there to see you mm -hmm. is actually to have people hate you yeah now isn't oh. that weird oh, i no. just went my mind exploded when i heard that <laughs> well, i went really well that's you know it's you know as the old adage goes if you're if someone's not angry you're not saying anything you know if you're if you don't have any if if there isn't someone mad as hell that you're talking then you're not saying anything that's worthwhile and uh because things that really need to be said especially for artists and creatives it's going to piss somebody off. It's going to be, you know, it's either going to piss them off because they identify with it and don't want to admit it, or they're going to piss, you know, somebody off because they completely think something different. You know, you got to have a point of view. What you're getting paid for in most cases as a creative is your point of view. And if you don't have a strong point of view, then what the hell are they paying you for? Right. And I think of people who made a career out of this. Mm -hmm. Let's let's look at Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. Hated Andrew Dice Clay. All right. Right? Um, and you know, he was doing that macho, those of you who don't know him, he did this kind of real misogynist, mm -hmm. um, you know, masculine white guy yeah. thing, leather jacket of the eighties. East Coast right? Jersey, angry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough guy, you know. Yeah. I hey, remember yo. okay, okay, yeah. this is one of his jokes. Ready? Yeah. Do you know what three thousand wimp uh, battered women um uh, oh, wait, do you know what 3,000 battered women at the bottom of the ocean have in common? They didn't fucking listen. Ah, okay. Right? Right? Yeah. All right, so you can imagine what, you know, I saw him, you know, do that at the comedy store. And uh, I saw 50% of the people hate him. Mm -hmm. Half yeah. the people, boo 
hiss. Yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw 50% of the people, the more they booed and hissed, loved him. Mm-hmm. And he ended up filling up friggin' stadiums. Yeah. I remember I did an interview with this commentator. Uh, what's his name? George Putnam. He was the Rush Limbaugh on TV of his time, okay? And he was talking. He was sending in the camera. He was interviewing me. And then he turned to the camera and said, uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you why women should not be paid as much as men. Yes. <laughs> and and he was like, he was just disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then the cameras shut down, went to commercial, and he turned to me and said, I said, do you really believe that? I go, oh, no, but watch the calls. Come on yeah. in. <laughs> watch the phones starting yep. to ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... I have always been sort of an audience junkie, needing everybody to love yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he told me this, um, all of a sudden, I realized what it truly takes to be extremely successful mm-hmm. as as whether you're a writer or a comic. You have to have the guts mm-hmm. to allow... A lot of people to hate you. Okay. And and we see this phenomenon happening, you know, in politics, mm-hmm. on Twitter, um, all over the place. Um, I see this. Um, Bette Midler now has more fans, <laughs> more followers uh, on Twitter than she ever had when mm-hmm. she started to allow um, to bash uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. Right, really bash him in a really funny way, and to such an extent that the president of the friggin' United States started to bash Bet. Yeah. Well, when the when Trump started to bash Bet, boy, did people rush to her defense. Mm-hmm. They became her rabid fans. Mm-hmm. Rabid fan. And then she got really nasty to the people who were hating her. And that got her even more <laughs> like filthy mouth woman, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like her instant, um, her um, Twitter account exploded mm-hmm. with followers. Yeah. Um, defending her. They will pay money to see her, buy her albums mm-hmm. um, because because um, they believe what she stands for and will defend her. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is if you, you gotta be, you gotta be honest for what your objective is. Like you were talking earlier, you know, the George Putnam thing with the, you know, well, watch those phones ring. I don't actually believe this, but because he knows that his job in that moment is to agitate. I'm supposed to agitate these people. I'm supposed to shake that, you know, beehive and get people calling anything. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do to get stuff going right now. If, you know, maybe you're not an agitator. Maybe you're someone who's saying, okay, well, I'm going to tell my story, tell my thing. And if people don't like my perspective, I have to be okay with that. I have to be able to be honest and true because there is going to be, you have to have faith in the belief that there are people out there who want to hear what you have to say and who are going to connect and get something out of your message. And even if it's three people in a crowd of 300, you really made a difference at that point. And if, if there's, you know, I think we talked before the podcast, uh, Adrian Richardson, who is a Facebook expert has this really great statement about 
there is somebody at home tonight crying themselves to sleep waiting to have you help them. And it's your job to go out and find those people. So when you are getting your message out there, getting your stuff out there, getting your purpose out there, you're not looking to appease the masses. You're not looking to have everyone raise you up and celebrate you. You're looking to cut through all that noise and find the person who needs you and the person who's going to connect with you and resonate with you. And, you know, there are so many, like in comedy, it's very easy because people do clamor together based on their likes, you know, an audience who goes sees, you know, Hannah Gadsby is very different than an audience that goes sees Jim Jeffries. You know, it's a very different thing. There's a lot of like-minded people and things like that. Unfortunately, in not all creative industries, do you have that kind of clamoring, especially in like the visual arts. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it, I, I have to find my audience through this whole mess and they may not be that engaged anyways, <laughs> you know, but if you are truly a creative, you have to have that honesty about your objective and about who you are trying to reach and how important it is for you to get out there and reach them. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. You think that you are truly being an artist and creative if you're not pissing someone off. Yeah. No, if it, basically, if you're not making anybody angry at all or upsetting anybody, I don't think you really have anything to say. That's what I think. Um, if you're making everyone love you, like, I'll give you a great example. I don't like Tom Hanks. So I know why you don't. Like yeah. Tom everybody Hanks. knows why. Cause I've told this a million times. <laughs> I think I know. And, and so here's the thing is everybody loves Tom Hanks. Every time I say that it's like the room turns around and gasps. Like, what are you a communist? What are you? you know, what are you? <laughs> and the reason I don't like Tom Hanks is because and I'm gonna have people are gonna write hate mail to you podcast is because he plays the same damn character in every movie I see. Oh, is this an American guy who's gonna solve this problem with good old gumption? Yeah, then it's probably a Tom Hanks movie. Every character he's there, Sully, and all that. So when I see Tom Hanks, I just go, oh, come on, do I? He's yes, he's a great actor. Yes, I'm sure people find him entertaining, but he bores the hell out of me. But he has something to say about the roles he picks. You're never going to see Tom Hanks play a serial rapist. You're never going to see Tom Hanks play a really violent villain. You're never going to see Tom Hanks play a, probably a, a conflicted anti-hero. You're never going to see those things because he, as, a, as an actor who has the ability to choose the parts that he wants now has a very strong belief and message in that American gumption, that go see through it, that underdog, normal guy, every guy kind of thing that leads to success through positivity or whatever it may be. That's great. That is a point of view. That is a perspective. I'm not a big fan of that perspective, especially when I see it so much out of the same person. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to take it away from anybody. I don't want to say like, oh, they should never make another Tom Hanks movie, but I'm not going to get in line for it. You know, so I'm not the audience in that case. But I've had people who it doesn't matter. The movie doesn't even have a title. The movie could be called Neh. And they will. <laughs> and if it says Tom Hanks above that title, they are their opening night to see it. You know, right. There's the old I think it's a it's a D.L. Hughley joke where they talk about, you know, people don't. <laughs> <laughs> Certain people don't go and see, you know, 
the name of the movie that Denzel Washington is in, they just go and see Denzel. You yeah. know, I'm just yeah. I'm going to see Denzel well, tonight. You know? I think of people um, like Suzanne Westenhofer. She was one of my students, and um, she's she's a lesbian, and she's playing comedy clubs all Texas, Alabama, everywhere, right? And I gave her um, this advice because I'm coming from, you know, get everybody to love you, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And and I'm realizing this wasn't the best advice, but I said to her, you know, open with just some really good stand-up, not about being gay. Then after people like you mm-hmm. and know you, um, then come out, Yeah. right? And she was adamant, no. Yeah. I'm walking on that stage and being who I am. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was that um, a lot of the people, uh, just because she opened with that, um, weren't with her. But she has such a fun, the people who were there, mm-hmm. who maybe were, you know, gay and gay friendly, loved her because she had the guts to do that absolutely and that's who her audience was when she walked out on that stage that's who she was there to perform for yeah because there's people there that are waiting to hear you like i just saw maria bamford who you know has mental illness and she's very open about talking about her bipolar and um and uh being institutionalized Mm -hmm. and 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 she was playing at a very conservative place. She was at Chautauqua Institute, which was an older, older crowd. And she's talking about very deeply personal, but always funny. She has quite a unique mind. And afterwards, I heard people say, well, it's not f- nice to make fun of, you know, mentally ill people and, mm-hmm. and talk about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And. That's not her audience. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's not her. And I heard that and I just wanted to shake that. But you're a friggin' idiot. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, is like people really begin to suffer when they're like, oh, I need to acclimate these people who don't like me into liking me. And it's like, no, don't waste your energy on that. If 10 people laugh out of 100 then concentrate on those 10. You know, we talked earlier about identifying your fans, going to talk to them. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I really like the thing you did, or someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I, you know, I was really affected by the thing you did, you need to engage with that person and find out where they're from and what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, screw the rest of them because they're not your audience. And, you know, we, I hear this all the time, especially in, like, client work for marketing and things like that, to where, like we'll do a bunch of work for somebody and then, and and they'll give us a target demographic. They're like, okay, this is for 18 to 25 year olds, blah, blah, blah. And we'll do a ton of work and we'll, and we'll target it to that and do that. But then we send it to a board of directors who are all in their sixties and they go, I don't get it. What's this Minecraft thing? I don't know what that is. And it's like, okay, well there's, you guys aren't the audience for this thing. Fill this room with 18 to 25-year-olds, and then we'll know what, what it is we're, we're trying to do. Um, so, you know, and you do not have the responsibility to convince people to your point of view. You don't have to. You just go out, you, you express your point of view, and then your audience, hopefully, if you keep doing and keep trying, will find you. Yes. Yes. And 
Um, see, I took improv. Yes, and <laughs> um, here's a mind blower to realize. There's a deeper connection via what we hate than what we love. Mm. Yeah, deep connections between what we hate than what we love. That's why when we do stand-up, it's always, you know, it pisses me off that it's like always. Mm. And I remember I'd have people in my class go, you know what I love? I go, no one gives a shit what you love. (laughs) No one's now, oh, I wonder what it is. Is it butterflies? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but you know what I hate? We want to know. What do you hate? What do you hate? Because, you know, the uh, hate, when when you hate, like hate, hate something Mm -hmm. that actually joins you together yeah you know like the hatred of trump (laughs) uh the resistance is like you know when people talk about that all of a sudden there's oh yeah me too and Mm -hmm. uh, you know Mm -hmm. and Um, you know and Remember, we're keeping this towards the art and creative aspect. You know, mm-hmm. that, I mean, it is bad when people join together through hate for sociopolitical reasons. But in creativity, it actually thrives. You know, that's where it's, you know. It, it thrives. So, it, so yeah. like when you're doing like, let's say, Suzanne Westenhofer or mm-hmm. Hannah Gatsby, who comes out and she's gay. Mm-hmm. And let's say there's a heckler who heckles because she, he's or she is homophobic. Mm-hmm. Well, her, the person who loves her is going to hate that person, (laughs) right? And that is how it becomes so powerful and go, well, I love you. Yeah. I'll follow you. Yeah. I'll come to your shows. I'm there for you because you express my point of view that I support. Yeah, because you're actually going beyond the point of fan right now and now it's almost becoming like the acolyte. They're the ones who, when you put something out, they share it to all their friends, whether these people like it or not. Like, I... (laughs) If, like, uh, my... My mom, who loves to, doesn't like to stir the pot, but certain members of our family have rival political opinions. And she will literally take notes. If she hears a really good jab at the other side, she'll be like, ooh, that's a, that's, I'm keeping that one. Or she'll share it out just to see the other people go, oh, I don't like that. Or, oh, I know that's bad. Because she's like building up her little arsenal of, of things to fire back because they're sharing all that stuff that, that, that she doesn't like. And that's what you're essentially building is you're building this tribe. You're building this tribe of people who, you know, who you want to have the tribe built around you based on what you're truly feeling, what you truly want, and what's serving them and you, and is benefiting all of you together. And what we're really talking about is finding your niche. Yeah. Because this is truly, when you're just, first, even if you're just starting out with singing or Mm -hmm. whatever it is you're doing, it's like, and you're doing open mics where Mm -hmm. you have just a cross, you know, is, is don't be frightened to alienate people um, um, when you're speaking your truth because there will be that person in the audience who's needing to hear that, that person who also feels isolated in life, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is, you are defining your niche that way. There there is something going on in stand-up comedy right now, which is, I find disturbing, which is now this, it feels so artificial. I won't say what comic I saw, but there's this thing in comedy to go, how far can we go uh, dance on the edge 
um, of, of, of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. How far can we push this? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and it started with, like, can rape be funny? Mm. Right? And then, um, okay, did that. Now can... And it was a male comic, a white male comic, who then got into very graphic female sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Where I'm watching this comic and I'm going like, funny, okay, funny, okay. I'm getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm turning this off, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just turning this yeah. off. And the reason I turned it off and will never watch this comic again is, or see this comic again, is because I felt that this was not authentic, mm-hmm. that this was an attempt at um, pushing the envelope. Like, yeah. I'm going to push the envelope. Yeah. That's why I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah, I don't believe any of the stuff the that's envelope. coming out of my mouth. No. I'm just here to agitate and agitate and agitate and, and just agitate. push it as far as I can. And I'm because sick of that. that seems to be in right now. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very in right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I hear Sarah Silverman talk about sexual assault and something personally that happened to her. Mm. And I know who she is. I know where she's coming from. Mm. She has a right to talk about that. Let, yes, go Sarah, push the envelope, Mm. love you, support you. We'll pay to come see you. Mm. Although I would like a comp, but, (laughs) but yes, but that's, that's how we find the envelope. So um, let's just say if, if you are playing it safe in your writing, in your creation, in what you're doing, because you want to please people, knock it off. Yeah. Right now, um, if you're going to do your next open mic, mm-hmm. try doing something that's real and authentic that you're scared to do. It's not saying try do something outrageous. That's yeah. not what I'm doing. Yeah, because it doesn't work either it way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I am talking about... If there is something that you're frightened to say because you think people will hate you, Mm -hmm. say it. If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening, and let's find your message and launch your career.